And this is View of the Valley's podcast, episode 34 with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how you been doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. You know, had our first snow day of the year yesterday uh, on Tuesday and trying something new so that uh, kids are still getting work done. But, you know, we won't have to add days at the end of the year. And like I've, I always said, I'd much rather work on a bad weather day in February than a beautiful day in May. So it works out well for me. So I, it's uh, it's something we're trying and uh, I like it so far. How about you? How are you? Been doing well. Uh Went down to Richmond, Kentucky. Uh, you knew I was going to be going down there this past weekend right. for the Murray State Eastern Kentucky game. Uh, really nice campus. Uh, was a little surprised on you know the the layout of it, but it was from not not ever seen it before, not knowing what to expect. Very uh, very immaculate from what I thought. Uh, the the arena itself pretty solid. Uh, I know. So if you're watching one of their games on, you know, ESPN Plus or whatnot, so that back wall, it kind of looks like there used to be a stage there, uh-huh. where there's no bleachers behind the the basketball hoop. So like on that other side, it's like a practice gym, like it's just wide, okay. o- wide open behind that wall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a full full court in there. Um, driving past the football field down there, you want to talk about a steep, steep. Uh, set of bleachers. I mean, it just, I thought Murray State's was steep when, when we were down mm-hmm. there last year. This is, I mean, it. it's a lot more steep compared to Murray State's. Like, you get up to that top one, just like you're just looking straight down. Like, it's a, I mean, it's almost like a straight downhill slide. Yeah. How are you with heights? I don't mind heights, um, especially, well, so at work, you know, been getting trained on you know like forklifts and uh, mm-hmm. some machinery like that and some of them you got to go up pretty high and i don't mind heights it's it's when it starts like maybe like rocking back and forth or yeah. like you're not enclosed so like you know st louis has that new ferris wheel i've been up in that i have no problem with that i'm enclosed no issue go up in the arch well Obviously, it's been a few years since I was up there, but when you go up there, you can still feel it kind of swaying, if you will. Yeah. Just because it's so high up there, and that—that's it for me. Once that happens, I'm getting back in that—that—that <laughs> that, that little whatever you call it. Your, your little egg. Yeah, and I'm going right back down. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't. I can, I can understand that. And it's weird because you know you're enclosed, but I guess it's just mm-hmm. the fact that it's swaying back and forth that. Uh, that's about it yeah. for me. Um, yeah. The one thing that was surprising for me in Richmond, so it's a college town, and you would you would expect, oh, well, there's you know lifts, Ubers, you know, because mm-hmm. we're gonna go and have some you know beverages at at one of the local sports places after the game. Couldn't find any. It kept saying no drivers available. There were zero lifts or Ubers out there, and we couldn't get a ride. Finally called this taxi place in Richmond, and they said, where are you staying at? So we gave them the hotel, and they'd be like, okay, give us give us about 15 minutes. be about $8. I'm like, okay, fair enough. 30 minutes went by. Weren't there. Called back, and they said, you're at such and such hotel? I said, yep, still here. Said, Hang tight. They're almost there. 30 more minutes went by, still not there. 
So we just left. I mean, changed oh. our changed our plans and like waited an hour, and still weren't there. Huh. Um. I wonder. I wonder why there's no uh, Ubers or Lyfts. I wonder if there's city regulation or maybe there's just not enough demand. Even if the taxi company's not well, too worried about getting you. So I'll get to that here in a second. Um, the food recommendations were good. Uh, went okay, to did you a, get pizza. I did. We went and got yeah. breakfast at this place called Jackson's, and very good. I had a, I think it was called the Jackson omelet. Came with like four mm-hmm. eggs, uh, and a whole nine yards. Really, very, very good. Um, and then when Coach Hamilton was on the show, he said, you know, you need to go to Gillum's, get some pizza. Right. So that's exactly where we went for lunch. Got the buffalo or barbecue chicken pizza top notch i mean it, it was awesome. it was outstanding and uh the uh i guess the no well, the the waiter he knew we were from out of town we told him we weren't from there and we we're getting ready to leave he goes here how how about a bucket of beer on me it's like oh okay you know <laughs> where do i sign up <laughs> we'll, we'll pass <laughs> that up but uh yeah it was a it was a nice place a nice sports bar there um pizza was good all three of us had pizza all three different kinds and then uh later on in the evening since we weren't able to find really like a lyft or uber to really go anywhere um we decide we're going to have an impromptu decision and we went down to the kentucky tennessee game down in lexington and it was only about 25 minutes from richmond and i i didn't realize it was so close yeah neither did i um, so we went down I there. I don't know you were going there. There's a place in Lexington called uh, Pies and Pints. It's a really good place to eat. Yeah, well, yeah, we already had pizza. So. Yeah, so that had been maybe a little too much. Uh, but Rupp Arena, first time there, uh, it's exactly what you would have expected. Uh, yeah. Top notch well, facility. I've, well, I've actually been. Uh, told i needed to leave from rep arena it's one of the two basketball facilities i've been kicked out of oh yeah yeah so uh we have a uh uh have it you know my college shirt collection so when we're on campus we'll we'll go by the the basketball arena or the and or the football facility and see if we can get in and it's usually just a matter of you tug on doors and stuff like that and you you know someone says like where you at like oh i'm sorry we were just looking around and stuff like that so we walk right into rup arena and they're practicing for like disney on ice i mean it's middle of the afternoon and there's a couple people around and all of a sudden uh security guard walks up do you guys have tickets uh no we were just taking on well you have to leave like okay see you later and we left and we went over to the football facility it was odd because then we stopped in evansville on our way home from that trip and it was in their older facility not the ford center downtown and kind of tugging on a door. All of a sudden this guy's waving his arms and like, you know, and I'm like, Oh, here we go. So he comes over like, can I help you? I said, Oh, I just kind of nerd out on uh, basketball facilities. Want to take a look around. I'm like, well, come on in. And I don't know how familiar you are with the movie, uh, Wayne's world. When, uh, uh, Chris Farley's playing the security guard and he has all this extra sure. information, you know, about what's going to be happening. This, 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 this guy is, he was like a custodian there. He's giving us the full tour. Well, we had our biggest crowd ever, you know, at this time. And like, Oh, it's pretty awesome. So yeah. But anyway, I got off the topic there. Yeah. Rupp Arena, one of the two basketball facilities we've been <laughs> asked to leave on Hoover family trips. The other one being, uh, 
the University of Florida. Well, and some other people about got kicked out of that facility too. They were sitting right behind us, and it was two Tennessee fans getting into it with Kentucky fans, and all of a sudden you hear the Tennessee fans, well, you only have five wins for a reason, and they just kept going into it. I'm like, yeah, I don't care who wins. Just let me watch this game in peace. Mm-hmm. I like basketball. Yeah. It's all I want to watch. Um, so, yeah, we watched that game. Uh, ended up leaving there, going back to Richmond, and on our way back, uh, uh, went down there with two of my friends, uh, Jacob Winnebauer and Billy Men. And Billy, he he signed up for Lyft in this area as a driver, so he can f- get on his app and he can tell if you know there's a couple drivers out there that you just can't see that are available, maybe because they're already giving somebody else a ride. Uh-huh. And he said there was one driver that popped up. I'm like, oh. So we're gonna we're actually gonna have somebody to take us somewhere. So we get back, we get to the hotel, and this guy picks us up, and uh, his name was Kenneth. And Kenneth picks us up, and he goes, "Hey, I got this good spot. You know, you guys will like." Because the one bar was closed, I guess they they closed at like a, I guess around eleven down there. Well, we thought we had some time, so we get down there, and. Right when we get out of the, right when we get out, we walk inside, and they're like, oh, we're closed. We're closing in ten oh, minutes. Geez. Like, oh, that's great. Our our own the only Lyft driver here has now left. We have no ride back to the hotel. So then he said, whenever we need a ride, just to text him and come back and pick us up. Well, luckily for us, he came back almost instantly. He finished one ride and then came back and picked us up like twenty five minutes later. And then that was our that was our experience down there trying to find a spot wow. to go to. But he was big into the Ohio Valley. He's he had tickets for the Eastern Kentucky Murray State game and uh, was talking to him a lot about the Ohio Valley and real nice guy. But yeah, one Lyft driver in Richmond. Wow. Found it hard to believe. It's it's odd. College town you'd think they'd be more prevalent. Yeah, no kidding. Um but yeah, other than that, been doing well. So for this week's episode, we'll recap some of the contests from this past week. We'll look at the projected NCAA tournament bracket for the teams in the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley. Also, we'll do the current standings between the two conferences, catch you up on those. Look ahead to the, this week's slate of games, and then we'll also do a segment this week on... I'll let you finish this part, TJ, since this was kind of your idea. The all-name team, the names that we uh, love to hear called out uh, as we're watching NBC and OBC action. So obviously uh, sticking to the same theme as you uh, giving your OBC guys and I'll give my NBC guys. And uh, I always like, you know, I think it's part of doing, you know, you, you have a broadcasting background. I mean, with a PA work that trying to find those names and uh, always looking for pronunciation guides too. So. Okay, so yeah, we'll do our all-name team, and then what do we have looking ahead, uh, TJ, for the next uh, couple shows? Well, I thought next week we could uh, do something called like a blue-collar team, like the guys that may not be the ones that are going to be first team, second team all-conference. Um, you know, uh, some people call them your glue guys. Guys, I just enjoy watching play, things like that. And then um, whether we do it the the following week, which would be leading up into the final games of the season or, or in between the last games and the 
uh, conference tournament, probably put together our own uh, first team all conference and player of the year choices. And I think we could even probably get into, you know, who our choice is, but who we think will be the the choice that actually gets the uh, award. You know, sometimes those aren't always the same, and for a number of reasons. But you know, some things to look at coming down the pike here. Okay. So that's what we got looking ahead here on View of the Valleys. Uh, we'll get things started off here, TJ, with a recap of some of the games from this past week. I'll let you get it started with the Missouri Valley. Well, I think you have to start out talking about you know the Drake Valpo series because you know obviously uh, the big thing that we've talked or that I've talked about for the last couple of weeks is that uh, Drake being undefeated, Loyola going to Drake this coming weekend, you know Valentine's Day weekend, and. Uh, Drake had their share of scares, especially against Illinois State, but then it finally kind of came through. You know, they had a tough first game against uh, Valpo, and they were at Valparaiso. It, uh, Valpo led a good chunk of the game, actually led most of the game, and then Drake pulled ahead late uh, to uh, get an 80-77 to win and you know had big games, another big game out of Shaquan Hemphill, uh, 18 points and 12 boards. Tramel Murphy with 11 and 11 for them. Uh, Darnell Brody, kind of a quiet night for him with eight points, but still had seven boards. And Valpo got a big game out of Sheldon Edwards. It's kind of been his coming out party here lately. And he had 20 points and, and uh, just two boards off the bench. But, you know, still 20 points from a guy off the bench. They get another 11 out of, out of Jacob Ignacevich. You know, so you get, uh, you know, 31 points out of two guys that didn't even start for you. That's that's a, a great time for you. They had 34 points off their bench. But like I said, they came up short in that first game. And then on Sunday, they were back at it. And um, Valparaiso, I mean, took it to Drake. I mean, late there was just even the announcers like it never felt like Drake was really getting back into it. Roman Penn tried to do a lot, but he was in foul trouble, ended up fouling out. Same with Tramel Murphy. Um, he just, just ran out of steam and, you know, but, but you know, now Valpo's playing tonight as we're watching, as we're talking here on Wednesday and, uh, they're down about 25 to, to Bradley late. So, you, you know, kind of what happened And Valpo, that game against Drake led 38, almost 38 minutes of the game, um, and went 24 for 29 from the free throw line versus, um, Drake's nine for 17. So. There's a huge difference right there. I mean, you win by 17 and 15 point difference at the free throw line makes a, a big deal. Uh, the other one, Loyola and uh, Evansville, they were at Loyola and Loyola got, you know, big games out of um, Cameron Crutwig. I mean, what I find impressive is that in the two games, Cameron Crutwig had 10 assists. Jeez. And and led them in both games with assists. So not only did he lead, him, lead them in scoring, but at least one of those two games, the second, other game he was second scoring. But yeah, uh, I hear Ugwak had a, a huge game in game two for them coming up for Loyola with 14 and 11. They went 22 for 30 from the free throw line where Evansville only shot nine free throws in that second game, which was an 11-point Loyola win. And uh, you know, Evansville had their chances um, you know, to kind of uh, get over the hump there. But in game one, it was all Loyola, despite uh, Evansville shooting 44% from three-point range in that first game. It was still a game that was all, uh, uh, you know, all all Loyola, like I said. So, you know, I think 
coming into the big matchup this week, it's, it'll be interesting. You know, Drake's up 20 right now over Northern Iowa, which, you know, maybe it was a wake up call for him. And, you know, uh, I think a split is probably the best scenario this weekend for the league to, and you know, that neither one of them get uh, too far down. I think if either team gets swept, it's going to be tough sledding for them, unless it's a situation where, you know, team A gets swept, but then wins the conference tournament. You know, otherwise, I think it'll be tough for the, com- the league to get two teams in. Um, Indiana State, Northern Iowa, they were a split. Um, you know, Indiana State took game one, you know, behind a, a season high for the second time by Tyreek Key with 31 points. Uh, Austin Fife came back after he had had that, uh, you know, the, the trouble in the Southern Illinois series, had a double-double. Uh, Noah Carter really starting to come together. I, I've been really impressed with him lately. Game one in which Northern Iowa lost Indiana State by four. He had 10 points and nine boards. Game two that Northern Iowa wins by three. He has 25 points and 13 boards. So, you know, that's a heck of a weekend for him to have. I think one of the big differences is Jake LaRavia. Uh, game two has 14 points and 10 boards to help uh, Tyreek key out in that losing effort. Because in game one, which again, Indiana State did win by four points, Tyreek key has 31 points. Their next highest score is Jake LaRavia with eight. So, you know, definitely didn't get the performance uh from uh, the whole team like they would have expected um, you know but a good series from uh, Noah Carter and again those teams split so kind of trying to figure out where we're, we're um, you know I, I feel like you have your top two teams but anybody can win because we've seen you know so many close contests Missouri State sweeps Illinois State first game was 71 excuse me 74 67 second game was 72 62 and both well-fought games um if I remember correctly, Illinois State either tied or took the lead in the second half of both games. First game, um, Gage Prim, 14 points and 11 boards, 19 points from Isaiah Mosley to go along with six assists. I, I really like the way Isaiah Mosley plays. Those guys seem to feed off of each other really well. And for Illinois State, DJ Horn has had 23 points going three for five from three-point range. And Antonio Reeves had a big game with 17 points. And Dusan Mahorsic had 12 points and eight boards for them. And, uh, you know, it was actually a tie game at half. And uh, Missouri State pulled away late there in the second or the first game. And in the second game, like I said, they were back and forth. Uh, Missouri State pulled up an eight-point lead. And uh, Illinois State closed it down. They just could never really shake Illinois State. Uh, Prim with 16 in game two. Isaiah Mosley, 24 points again, seven assists again. You know, 13 assists in two games is pretty impressive when it's, one of your, when it's your leading score. And uh, DJ Horn with another big game with 18 points. And the big thing in the second game was combined, the two teams only shot 15 free throws. Holy cow. Yeah, in a game that was, I mean, it says 10 points, but it really didn't feel like a 10-point game because Illinois State just kind of kept hanging around, kept hanging around. And uh, finally, Missouri State closed it out. And then the nail-biter of a, of a series, especially Game 2, Bradley, Southern Illinois. Bradley uh, really took care of Southern Illinois in, in Game 1. Uh, One-point game at half. Bradley outscores them by 7 in the second half for an 8-point win. 
get 23 points out of Terry Nolan Jr. for Bradley. Elijah uh, Childs with 15 and 12. They went 20 for 21 from the free throw line, while Southern Illinois went 11 for 19 in an eight-point game. So um, Lance Jones with 15 points. Stephen Verplanken has really come around, kind of coming into his own. Kyler Filowich, nine points and nine boards in both games. Second game, Southern Illinois hits a free throw. Late. Uh, Lance Jones hits a free throw late to give them the win, and Bradley had a heck of a look at the buzzer, hit off the front of the rim that could have won the game for them. But it was good for Southern Illinois to get that win. I think it was a good time for both teams to get a win. You know, um, Bradley had been on that slide, and obviously it seems to have woken something up because they had a big win tonight over Valparaiso. But a good team win for Southern Illinois as they had four guys in double figures, and uh, including Ben Harvey off the bench, and that got him the start tonight. And, um, you know, and then 17 points for Jashant Henry off the bench, and Ryan McMast had 14 and 8 for. Bradley. So, you know, I, I just feel like it's so close after you get past the, the first two teams in this league. And I mean, I know we had some really interesting, uh, exciting moments last year in the in the Valley tournament with you know Drake and Valparaiso making it to Saturday uh, in the tournament from the from the uh, Thursday games yeah. to Saturday, which had only been done once before, and they did it twice this last season. But I think it could happen again. I mean, just things are all over the place and looking forward to the schedule that it's so out of balance. Indiana State has four games left after today, while Drake, Valparaiso and Southern Illinois have seven games left after today in just, you know, basically two weeks. So you wonder how that's going to play, like when Indiana State's going to be playing, uh, I believe it's Valparaiso at the end of the year where they, you know, Valparaiso is going to be playing feel like every day. So it'll well, yeah. be really interesting to see how this plays out and towards that, the end here. That's really going to play a role in, you know, how well teams are prepared come tournament time. You know, some teams yeah. are going to be a lot more rested than others, and that's going to play a big factor uh, once the MVC mm-hmm. tournament starts. Now, I know you'll get a couple of days off before, but still a lot of travel and a lot more games for some schools that – there's no way that doesn't play a factor in uh, some of the games come Arch Madness. Yeah, and uh, you know, listen to some of the coaches talk uh, in the coaches' Zoom meeting. They kind of talk about that, like you know, uh, playing so many games here, and uh, NCAA requires you to take a day off. So you have teams that are playing, you know, they play two games over the weekend, and they only had two days to get ready for the next game. Well, at some point they have to take a day off. You know, and if you're playing Saturday, it's you know that makes it even tougher for you. So. But How about on, on the Ohio Valley side? So on the OVC side, uh, we'll start off with Eastern Kentucky and Austin P game. Uh, Austin P went on the road to Richmond, came away with a 94-79 victory on Thursday. They were led by Terry Taylor, 30 points, 14 boards. So Terry Taylor did what was expected of him, uh, but the rest of the team – did well as well. I mean, the Governors had four of their starting five in double figures. Very balanced game for the Governors to put up nearly 100 points on Eastern Kentucky. For Eastern Kentucky in that game, uh, Wendell Green Jr., a freshman who's been playing extremely well 
over the last handful of games. You know, on the season, he's averaging uh, 15 points per game. But over the last five, I mean, he's been playing lights out. The game against Austin P, he had 25 points, nine assists. But over the last five games in general, going back to Thursday, January 21st against UT Martin, he had 25 points, four assists. At Jacksonville State, 22 points, eight assists. Then you had the Austin P game. Uh, Saturday against Murray State at home, he had 24 points, eight assists. And then on the road Monday at SIUE, he had 18 points, two assists. It's a decent week. Yeah, so, I mean, so he's playing extremely well. He <laughs> He's watching him play against Murray State. I mean, East, Eastern Kentucky kind of had a down game shooting, but Wendell Green Jr. was on. Uh, watching him play, you know, basically being right behind the basket. I mean, he, he looked smooth, uh, mm-hmm. real fluid. Uh, besides leading the team in assists and points, he was taking he was taking high percentage shots while maybe not, while getting good looks at it. But he was excelling in the transition transition offense at times. Like there'd be times Murray State wasn't even set on defense, and he's already blown past him, getting straight to the rim. Um, so he really looked good. He impressed me. Uh, I mean, we'll just flow right into that game on Saturday. Uh, Murray State beat Eastern Kentucky 76-64. Murray took a 39-30 lead at the half. Um, as I said, Eastern Kentucky struggled that game shooting. Uh, they were only 25% from the floor or from the three-point range, 6-24, and that kind of got them into a hole kind of early. Um, but K.J. Williams from Murray State uh, – he couldn't do anything wrong, it seemed like. 8 of 14 from the floor, played 35 minutes, uh, one rebound shy of a double-double, 18 points, nine boards. And then Telvin Brown, he did record a double-double for Murray State. Uh, 13 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Robinson also had double figures for Murray State. So you think there, there's three guys in double figures. He wasn't even the main guy. Those three weren't right. even the main guy. You had Chico Carter Jr., who only averaging 11 points per game on the season, and that's after this game against Eastern Kentucky. So his average went up. Couldn't miss. I mean, it seemed like anything he was shooting from the floor was going in. 9 of 14 from mm-hmm. the floor, 3 of 6 from distance, finished with 23 points, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. Did have 6 turnovers, but... That didn't uh, didn't affect Murray State. I mean, he was on a tear, uh, so he looked good in that game. Um, outside of those two games, if you go back to Thursday when Eastern Kentucky played Austin P, uh, you had Moorhead State and Murray State. Yeah, it was a good week for Moorhead State, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, Murray or Moorhead State came away with a I believe 66-56 win. And that was a game where Murray State led at the half. They were up 33-32. It looked as if Murray was going to get a road win there at Moorhead. But Moorhead State came out in the second half and lived up to their elite defense in the Ohio Valley. I mean, they held the Racers to just 23 second half points. Uh, and moved into with the week they moved into second place, which and the OVC is huge because you get that double buy. Yes, 
that's a very good point, uh, TJ. So Moorhead State doing well. They approved it 11 and two in the conference, and with Eastern Kentucky falling uh, these back-to-back games at at their home court, uh, Moorhead State kind of has a little bit of a cushion there for mm-hmm. second place right now. Uh, other games on that Thursday, you had Belmont went on the road to Eastern Illinois, won 89 to 61. SEMO uh, came away with a 68-64 win against Tennessee Tech. Uh, big come from behind win for SEMO. They trailed by 13 at the half, 39-26, but then held Tennessee Tech to just 25 second-half points as Manny Patterson had a career high for the Red Hawks with 22 points to help propel SEMO to a 68-64 win. SEMO uh, improved to 7-11, 5-7 in the conference. Uh, Jacksonville State, with an 82-70 road win at UT Martin. Uh, Darian Adams had 16 points and six assists uh, for the Gamecocks. Uh, Tennessee State fell at SIUE 68-60. And that's a, that's a team right there that I'm really interested to see how they fare over the next, basically, you know, the rest of this month. Because you look at SIU Edwardsville after their their loss on Monday to Eastern Kentucky. They're seven and ten, five and six in the conference, but they have so many games to wrap up the season. I mean, they still have to play at Tennessee Tech, at Jacksonville State, at Murray, and then they also play home games against uh, Murray State, Moorhead State, UT Martin, SEMO, and they also have a road game at Austin P. So they have a lot of games left in a very short amount of time since they had that long, uh, long COVID pause. Right. Um, you look at Saturday, this past Saturday, outside of the Murray State Eastern Kentucky game, very big win for Moorhead State. Right. Over uh, Austin P. Uh, it was seventy-five, seventy-four. It took overtime for the for Moorhead State to get it done, but they did. They improved to twelve and two. And Austin P. they really looked good most of the game. They led 30-24 at the half and even led for at least, you know, at least half of the second half, I felt like. Uh, but they allowed 43 points to Moorhead State as uh, they were unable to close out the, close out the game down in Moorhead. Uh, Terry Taylor, another big game, 28 points, 10 boards. Uh, Jordan Adams had 20 points. With one assist, three rebounds. He was five and nine from three point range. And that's the guy that uh, Coach Figure and Austin P are going to need to stay consistent down the stretch or going forward if Austin P wants to not only leap up in the standings, but live up to what they were, what they were uh, projected to do at the beginning of the season, which was first place. He was hurt for a little bit at the beginning of the season, so he's been trying to get back into the you know flow here. But he played 38 minutes out of that 45-minute um, game against Moorhead State. So if they can get him going, Mike Peake and uh, Carlos Paez uh, all at the same time, uh, they can – it's going to be a scary team uh, now. I mean, that – Someone say, well, okay, well, that's four guys that all have to click at the same time. I mean, they have the ability to do it. Um, they have a lot of talent on the team. So this is going to be a team 
it, they may not have a flashy record come Ohio Valley play, but that'll be a team where it's like, hey, we have a fresh start, 0-0. Zero and zero. Let's restart here. And they can make a run with it. They've proved that they can they can hang with teams. They can beat uh, some of the teams that are uh, higher up in the standings. They lost by one to Moorhead. They lost by one to Belmont. But the one thing they do have to get better at is the depth, the depth on their team. So you use the Moorhead game, for example. Played 45 minutes. Terry Taylor played the whole game. Uh, Paez played 41 minutes. Jordan Adams played 38. Mike Peake played 36. Uh, Woodard played 33. You look at their bench, they had two points off their bench in an overtime game. That's tough. That's a... That's a that's tough to do, especially when you come when it comes tournament time. I mean, you're going to have to have guys fresh off the bench that are able to come in and and produce. I mean, you look at five guys that got playing time from Austin P's bench in that game. Well, really four, uh, and it only right. adds up to uh, uh, 23, 30. 32 minutes out of four guys combined. Yeah. Whereas on the other side, Moorhead State gets, you know, 22 points out of their guys, and Cooper had to play 40 minutes off yeah. the bench for them. Exactly. But they they have the ability on offense to get to get there come tournament time, but we'll, uh, we'll have to see about that. Look ahead to Monday. Another tough loss for Austin P. They lose 76 to 75 as they drop a contest at UT Martin. That dropped Austin P to 11 8, 7 and 6. UT Martin improved to 7 11, 5 and 9 in the OVC plate. Now that's a big win for the Skyhawks as they're, you know, they're down there at the towards the bottom trying to juggle for, you know, to just right, get into in that the ninth spot right now. Yeah, they're UT tr- Martin is. They're trying to get into that eighth spot. So, big win for UT Martin. Uh, watch that game basically the whole way. That might be the best UT Martin's offense has looked in conference play. Uh, it seemed like in the first half they could not miss. They were 11-23 from three-point range as they out, outshot Austin P from distance uh, 33-15. to uh, Austin P shot twenty less than 23% from the floor or from three-point range, 46% from the floor. You look at the foul shooting, pretty comparable on both sides. Uh, UT Martin didn't miss, 11 of 11 from the foul line. So big win for UT Martin as, uh, you know, Austin P struggled to get any kind of uh, production from uh, their bench. They only had two guys that, that played, came off the bench, that 14 bench points, but... Yeah, that definitely sticks out to you when you look at the box score that they only played seven guys. It, it seems really odd. Well, and you got to wonder at a certain point, you know, some of that's going to have to probably start catching up. You know, guys are going to probably get worn out a lot easier, especially when you're playing games that have been postponed from previous weeks. You're going to have times where you're playing more than two games in a week. Mm-hmm. So, but that's just to look back at some of the games from this past week in the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley. So we'll look ahead to, you know, a little bracketology here. Uh, if you look at it now, uh, Joe Lenardi, he's got uh, Drake as an 11th seed, 
playing six seed Virginia Tech. Uh, and right now, Drake is on there as one of the last four buys. Outside of okay. them, he's got two teams from the Missouri Valley in there, so Loyola would be the other one. And he has, he has them as an eight seed playing ninth seed Minnesota right now. Barring anything different happening here, uh, it, it looks like right now that Loyola and Drake could both could both get in there, uh, unless one of the teams just happens to go you know south here pretty quickly. Yeah, I think, like I said before, I think if either one of those teams gets swept, they have to win the tournament. You know, split, and those are the only losses going into the tournament. Then, and they at least get to the semifinals. They can't lose in the quarters. But I think they both, you know, get in at that point. But if, like I said, if, whichever team, if they get swept, they have to win the tournament. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it, it doesn't seem like it'd be anything too far off the realm that they do split. I mean, both both are very good programs. Both have a lot of playmakers and have been pretty solid on defenses here as well. Uh, look at the Ohio Valley side. Right now, the only team on the horizon to get to get in would be Belmont. Uh, They're projected as a 12th seed to play uh, fifth seed Florida State. Now Belmont's 20 and one. Uh, if they were to lose, now I think they have to win out here the rest of the way. Um, but if they were to lose, like in the championship game, I could maybe see that the Ohio Valley gets another team in. Now there's there's a lot of teams in this conference. Th- that come to mind that would be able to compete in the uh, March Madness bracket, you know, NCAA tournament. You know, as we've seen, Eastern Kentucky played well against Xavier at the beginning of the year. Uh, Belmont's proved they can hang with anybody. But Moorhead State, with what they were able to do with their schedule at the beginning of the year, they've, they've proved that that helped them prepare themselves for Ohio Valley play. And that tough stretch at the beginning of the year could also help them if they're able to get into the tournament as well. So I don't think it's out of the realm for the OVC to get two teams in, but I think Belmont would have to win out and get to the championship game, which would mean they just have to win one game in the Ohio Valley tournament to get there. Right. Um, But yeah, I think there's a possibility that the MVC and OVC both get uh, two teams two teams into the tournament i think it'd be fun it'd be great yeah it'd be a lot of fun but what's what kind of sticks out to me is you kind of look past those two uh conferences kind of a little bit local for us but the atlantic 10 uh joe lenardi only has two two teams projected into the tournament out of the atlantic 10 wow that's that seems low for their league you know i haven't paid as much attention maybe it's been tough sledding for for st louis and said they think they played what one game in the last month. Yeah, but you know they have uh, St. Bonaventure there as the number eleven going against uh, Kansas is the one I see. Yep, and then he's got SLU as one of the first four out. Uh, VCU last four in, okay. and then next yep. four out, uh, Richmond is also on there, and and Richmond's look. They got off to a good start this year as well. Um, mm-hmm. Another team that comes to mind, and they're playing SLU tonight, uh, Rhode Island. Rhode Island's found themselves uh, in the tournament here recently. 
uh, led by Fats Russell, but they, they're off to a uh, just about a 500 season thus far, maybe one game below. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of the bracket here right now uh, that Joe Lenardi has projected. Uh, looking at the standings here right now, TJ, uh, what's the Missouri Valley look like? Well, Loyola is uh, listed ahead of Drake right now. They're 12-1 and one going against Drake's 9-1. and one. Of course, Drake's 10-1 and one now with their win over Northern Iowa. And Missouri State sits at third right now at 7-5. and five. And then, uh, I mean, from about three, like I said, to eight, it's kind of everybody's right there with each other. Missouri State seven and five in third place. Indiana State's eight and six. Now they've played a ton of their games already. They only have four games left this year. Evansville's six and six in uh, fifth place. And Valparaiso is uh, now four and seven after their loss to Bradley today. So that's probably actually because uh, I wrote these down before the show started. Bradley's five and eight, so I think they would be ahead of. Valparaiso, Northern Iowa falls to four and nine as they sit in eighth place, and then Southern Illinois is three and seven right now uh, in ninth, and Illinois State is two and eleven. So, uh, watching the Missouri State Southern Illinois game, and I've been uh, stuck at five seconds into the second half for the better part of ten minutes as they're trying to figure out some shot clock issues. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a delay, but it's not weather related. So. Uh, you know, I think just I'm excited about this weekend. Everybody's playing this weekend again. The next Wednesday, all 10 teams play. And then, uh, you know, I think those will be two big, big days for everybody or three big games for everybody to really see how this kind of uh, shakes out. So but I think, again, the Drake Loyola game couldn't be any bigger for either team. And uh, so hopefully for a good matchup there. What does it look like on the Ohio Valley side? So on the OVC side, you know, Belmont undefeated 14-0, and 20-1 on a 17-game win streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moorhead State, as we just said, 12-2 uh, and in the conference, second place, 15-6, and 10-1 uh, at home. So they've been very good at home. Uh, they've won 11 in a row, 0-2 uh, against the top 25 AP. So that, that goes back to the beginning of the season for the Eagles. Uh, Eastern Kentucky in third place, 9-3. and Fifteen and four overall, eight and two at home. But those last two losses come in this past week, back to back against uh, Austin P and Murray State, uh, Jacksonville State in fourth, eight and five, twelve and seven overall. But you look at their road record; they're six and four on the road. So they've been playing some of their better basketball away from uh, mm-hmm. their campus. Because you look at their home record; they're they're only four and three. So they haven't. Yeah. They've played a lot more road games than they have home games. So they'll have a couple of home games here, uh, filtering in as the season progresses. But if they can get their home record a little bit better, continue to win on the road, uh, they might be able to, you know, jump up another spot or two in the in the conference if Moorhead State or Eastern Kentucky would uh, uh, falter down the stretch. Austin P seven and six, eleven eight overall, and then you have Murray State six and seven in the conference, uh, back to 500, nine and nine. Uh, Murray State's one of the teams playing some of their better basketball right now. Yeah, they lost to Moorhead State, only scored 56 points, but take away that game, and even the loss against Belmont, they played pretty well. Uh, they looked v- they looked good at Eastern Kentucky. I mean, their offense 
looked real fluid. Uh, they were able uh, to beat Eastern Kentucky's press at times, and it really helped them uh, gain an advantage there. Then you got SIUE, 5-6 and six in conference, 7-10 overall. They're 5-4 and four on the road. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing that. That seems really lopsided there. Yeah, when you look at their home record, they're only 1-5. So I think what – I mean, SIU is going to have to improve their, their home record, but they've shown they can win on the road. So if they're able to sneak a couple games out at home here down the stretch, there's no reason they shouldn't finish in that top eight. SEMO, uh, 5-8, and 7-12 and 12 overall. Uh, that rounds out the top eight for the conference as SEMO uh, is just 1-7 and seven on the road. And then to round out the standings, you got UT Martin five and nine, seven and eleven overall. Uh, Eastern Illinois four and ten, seven and fourteen, and then Tennessee Tech at two and eleven, two and eighteen, and Tennessee State two and twelve, three and fourteen overall. Uh, Tennessee Tech and Tennessee State both looking for their first road win of the season still. But outside of that, uh, we'll go ahead and look into some of the games for this upcoming week tj uh we'll let you start it off for the missouri valley well like i've been talking about the whole time we know that uh you know drake and loyola match up this weekend and then uh the other you know the other two back-to-back is um, bradley and missouri state and they're at missouri state so who knows you know the way that missouri state's um you know, playing right now, they're starting. To, looks like they're trying to pull away from Southern Illinois, but that big win by Bradley just didn't even seem like the same team we've seen the last few weeks. And uh, then, in a rarity, Indiana State and Evansville—they're just playing one game against each other because they're uh, they're travel partners. They'll play one game on this weekend, and then they play another one on Wednesday. And that's they're actually going to be home and home. And uh, yeah. Valpo plays uh, Northern Iowa. You know, again, trying to figure out what those two teams are made of. And then Illinois State goes to SIU. And, uh, you know, I think those two are, are you know, Missouri Valley Conference, the bottom four teams play on Thursday. And you're always trying to avoid Thursday. And I think the difference between the 10 seed and the 9 seed is are you playing the 7 seed as a 10 or the 8 seed as the 9? You know, I think that that could be a big difference. Uh, for either one of those. So that, that series between Southern Illinois and Illinois State is a big deal. So uh, those are the big ones over the weekend. And then Loyola plays Valparaiso, who's you know proved that they can hang with anybody when they want to. Drake and Northern Iowa play again on Wednesday. That one's going to be at Northern Iowa. Southern Illinois and Missouri State play again as they're playing tonight. And I uh, talked about the Evansville-Indiana State game. And, uh, you know, I think... And Illinois State plays Bradley, you know, and uh, I think Bradley's probably looking for some payback for the last time that Illinois State kind of took it to him. So uh, I think by this time next week, by especially after Wednesday of next week, we'll have a real good idea of what what it'll look like come tournament time for these teams. So I think this weekend especially is a big deal for those teams. Right. So that's about again. I'm looking forward to Drake Loyal as where my eyes are going to be. And I think a lot of people throughout the country are going to be tuned in for that game as well. I mean, they're both, what, I think nationally televised. So. Yeah, they're both nationally televised. They moved them. Um, Saturday, 
they're playing at 11 on ESPN2, and Sunday they're playing at 2 again on ESPN2. So, you know, a good chance for uh, the league to get out there and kind of show themselves off and hopefully have, again, I just I hope for good games. I think blowouts will hurt them no matter what. Yeah, I think you're right. And they, there's no reason they shouldn't be good games to this point. I mean, I think if there was a blowout between the two games, I think uh, you'd just be as shocked as I would be. Yeah, but Loyola has been playing really, really well. But, you know, Drake obviously had the chance, kind of a, a get-right game tonight for them. So, uh, big slate on Saturday for the OVC, though. Yeah, there's a big slate for the OVC. Um and the big game that stands out is the one that's uh, going to be nationally televised. Well, actually, that's Thursday. Uh, Eastern Kentucky against Belmont. That game's at 8 o'clock Central on ESPNU. And Belmont opens up as 12.5-point favorites. Wow. Which, to me, it, yeah, I know Eastern Kentucky's fell the last two at home, both by double digits and then uh, beat SIE by four on Monday. But... To me, that that's a the spread's awfully large, if you ask me. And I'm sure Belmont's catching a few points here just because they're 20 and one and undefeated, and they're at home. But the what's really going to stick out to me is which team shoots the three ball the best. That's that's going to be the team that wins. Both teams love to get up and down the floor. It's going to be a track meet. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking that same thing. What's the over under on that one? <laughs> It's set at 161, which is that's that sounds like a pretty good number. With for people that you know don't follow sports betting a whole lot, 161 is a that's a big number for an over under. Yeah, Uh, but if you've watched both, I mean, it's just they zoom up and down the floor. You know, a lot of transition offense. You know, first open look, boom, shot goes up. Uh, So I mean, that could that you know that wouldn't even surprise me if it went past 161. Yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, a game in the 80s, that's easily going to get you past 161, you know. Oh, for, so. sure, for sure. I mean, if, if a team gets, you know, 90, you know, I mean. Yeah, 90 in a, in a blowout is going to get you to 161 still. Yeah. So. You know, so, and it just the way Belmont likes to play, they get the ball down the court quick and one pass and shoot from three and. Uh, Eastern Kentucky wants to press you and you know, force you into turnovers. They get easy baskets. Uh, yeah, gosh, I, I'd have a tough time taking the under there. Yeah, it is. it's a lot of points, but especially if you've watched the teams, it'd be hard to not take the over in that, just knowing what they're capable of doing and how fast they play. Yeah. And with the ability of the Eastern Kentucky's, you know, able to force steals on the defensive side. Yeah, a better bet would be over under one and a half shot clock violations. <laughs> I bet that would be an outrageous odd odds there. Um, but really, you look at uh, you look at the Thursday slate there. Uh, most of the games are towards double digit point favorites. Uh, the closest one would be SIUE and Tennessee Tech. That's a two and a half point uh, spread for Tennessee Tech as they're the favorite. Uh, Morehead State on the road at Tennessee State. They're uh, open at eight-point favorites over the Tigers. Uh, Eastern Illinois hits the road for a game at Jacksonville State. Uh, probably be the last last game for a while that Eastern Illinois plays down in Jacksonville State as looks like they're off for the Atlantic Sun. 
Jacksonville State, nine and a half point favorites right now. Uh, Southeast Missouri travels to Murray State, one of the rivalries there. Uh, over the last couple of years, Simos played Murray really close. Some of the games have gone to overtime recently. Uh, Murray had Simos' number down in Cape Girardeau uh, just recently, so Murray's opened up as 13 point favorites. Uh, afternoon game to start the slate of games Thursday for UT Martin and Austin P. Uh, UT Martin just beat Austin P. Uh, Austin P. just opened up as 16 point favorites. So a large spread for Austin P. as the favorite after just falling to UT Martin on the road uh, not too long ago. But then again, on Saturday, just like uh, Thursday, one of the games that I'll be keeping my eye on also involves Belmont. Uh huh. I think this is this is the big one to look forward to on the OVC side. Yes, you got the one seat, number one seed in the conference right now, going up against the number two seed projected, uh, Moorhead State, fifteen six, twelve and two against Belmont. Uh, it's going to be the key to this is going to be Moorhead, obviously slowing the pace of play down, which they've been able to do against a lot of teams this year. But outside of slowing down Belmont, it's going to be their perimeter defense, uh, which is going to be the difference in the game. If they're able to get out and defend the three, I it wouldn't surprise me if Moorhead's able to steal a win down in, at the Curb Event Center down in Nashville. Because uh, Belmont, they live and die by the three, uh, but over the years. This year, they've been able to feed the post a little bit more than they have in years past, a lot of that has to do with Muzinski, uh, but even he, he can step out and, and knock one down from distance. Uh, you look at the, the breakdown right there for Moorhead State in uh, Belmont. Uh, Moorhead State is led by Johnny Broom. He's leading the way with 12.4 points. So you look at that right there. Moorhead State doesn't really have a guy on offense that really just, you know, uh, catches your eye, you know, real flashy. You know, he leads the way with 12 points. They only have three guys averaging double figures. You know, they're only averaging just over 67 points per contest as a team. Um, but it's their defense is what has kept them in it. And if uh, if Belmont wants to, you know, beat Moorhead State and stay undefeated, they're going to have to get a little bit more creative than uh, the perimeter uh, shooting because they know Moorhead's going to be keying in on uh, Belmont's uh, outside shooting for that game. Um, SIUE at Jacksonville State on Saturday, along with Eastern Kentucky at Tennessee State. And then, well, it looks like all these games are at 4 o'clock Central besides the UT Martin-Murray State game. Yep. Eastern Illinois at Tennessee Tech. And then SEMO travels to Austin P. And then UT Martin at Murray State rounds out the, the day for Saturday as that game's a 7.30 Central uh, tip. Uh, outside of the Moorhead State and Belmont game, uh, SIU and Jacksonville State, uh, that game that game for one reason uh, kind of stands out to you uh, just because Jacksonville State seems to be doing better on the road than they are at home, whereas you flip that, SIU's had more success on the road than they have at home. So this may be a spot where SIU is thinking, maybe we can try and steal a win here against a team that's, you know, in fourth place right now in the conference. But 
Let's look at some of the Saturday games in the OVC and overall within the conference and the Missouri Valley as well. And with that, TJ, we'll flow into our last segment here. Uh, your, the name team, I guess you want to call it that? Yeah, the all name team. The names that stand out the most to us. We just, I love to hear it when they score and can't wait for the for my for the guys on the MVC side to, to get to the tournament and hear the uh, PA announce. He does such a great job with some of these names. So, you want me to start out? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and start all off. Right. All right. So, from Drake, the first one is Issa Samaki. So it's I S S A for Issa Samaki S A M A K E. Um, from Missouri State, doesn't sound that out of place, but his name is Lukai Patterson. And the reason I, I always like it is when they put it up on the screen. It's L U apostrophe C Y E. So if you're watching it on mute and you see his name flash across there, you're not even gonna come close. Bradley, their three point uh, sharpshooter. Villa Tavaninen. That, that one's always a mouthful. From Loyola, I hear Ugwak. And then my favorite, because it's got a, a, a fun first name and an oddly spelled last name from Valparaiso. Good news is the first name. Yes. And, and Pegale is his last name. Now, yep. K P E G E O L. Pegale, because that's exactly how you would think it would be spelled. I was getting worried. I didn't think you were going to put it on the list. You know, I, I went from uh, five through one. There were a couple others of the, I hear like Ari Boya from uh, Bradley. I like his name too. But uh, yeah, those are the ones I settled on. And hopefully we'll get to hear those names several times in person. I keep hoping at the NBC tournament. Yeah, that'd so. be nice. Uh, on the OVC side. So on the OVC side, uh, first one, uh, Sammy Friday. I just I like uh-huh. I like the last name. I mean, always looking forward to Friday. You know, it, that's why I like that name. You know, you hear Friday, you're automatically thinking good things because everybody loves when the workday Friday gets around. Yeah. Uh, he's on Eastern Illinois. Sticking with Eastern Illinois, we'll go ahead and do Jordan Skipper Brown. I think that just flows pretty nice. Uh, you know, as a yeah. baseball coach here, Skipper uh, really stands out to me. Uh, Reginald G. Austin P. Uh, uh-huh. I think that's a good one. Uh, Richard Krushank, uh Eastern Ooh. Kentucky. And then to round it out for my five, you go down to Tennessee Tech. C.J. Gettlefinger. Gettlefinger? Yeah, I, be- I believe it's how it's pronounced. Okay. Gettlefinger. Right. If I'm not pronouncing that right, let me know. Okay. Uh, so that that's my five. Uh, my honorable mentions would be Jaquez Hobbs of Eastern Kentucky and Nana Akenton of SEMO. I think uh, I think Jaquez and Nana, when you hear uh, the announcers mm-hmm. say, I think it just it kind of just pops. Like it, it catches yeah. your attention and just flows flows really well um but i think my favorite out of it is jordan skipper brown that's my favorite yeah. my favorite name for the ovc that. uh so that's our all uh all name team if you will uh tj uh, for both sides uh and as we round out this uh episode here uh what do we got to look forward to uh next week well we're gonna come up with our blue collar team the guys we think uh 
we like watching on the floor that you know are always going to do good things for their team keep the team together even though they may not be the biggest scores it doesn't mean they don't score but uh you know those guys that i think us both with coaching backgrounds just enjoy watching play because you feel like they do things right and do the the things that maybe not everybody else wants to do so yeah looking forward to that uh tj uh, you got any final thoughts here to wrap it up yeah, I heard today that uh, the Big Ten tournament is moving from Indianapolis, excuse me, moving to Indianapolis from Chicago. Uh, they usually alternate every other year, but I would have guessed because of uh, COVID numbers in Chicago, they decided to go to Indianapolis. And uh, you think that's going to be something we see more of with teams or conferences moving their tournament? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be the last one. Uh, maybe not so much uh, for the mid-majors, uh, but I think for some of your larger-scaled conferences, uh, your Power Fives, uh, a couple of the other ones just below it. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to uh, see it moved, especially since you know that March Madness is basically just going to be t- – it is going to be taking place in Indianapolis, so I think some of these larger conferences that have the ability to get more than a couple teams into the tournament – uh, wouldn't be a bad idea just having them play in Indianapolis or somewhere near it just so they get get acclimated to the area and, you know, some of those gyms that they'll be playing in in and around yeah. Uh, Indianapolis. Yeah, I have to look into it some more because, I mean, are the Pacers going to be uh, kicked out of their own home for the better part of a month then? <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't even I didn't even think of that. Or at least not be able to play on the weekends because, you know, after like the first weekend, it's really we're only playing – on Saturday and Sunday, it feels like, but yeah, putting all that in the same spot. Was, well, the one good thing with that is it's not like it's a football team or hockey team where you have to, you know, take the turf off, you know, right, you know, take the take the ice out, you know, re put the ice down. This, you know, it's basically just a floor, so you know, don't have to add any bleachers or anything, and whatever's there is there. Yeah. So, but I don't really have anything to add. Uh, just looking forward to a good week of hoops, and hopefully we'll get rid of this this cold weather. I just, oh, it's so cold, TJ. It just drives me insane. <laughs> Especially today, you got schools around here getting called off. No school. Here I am driving on a sheet of ice all the way to work. You know, I'm late by 20 minutes. The last two days, it's people are driving 31 miles per hour in a 55, going down middle of two lanes, just at a crawl. Yeah. So. I'm looking forward to this just getting out of here. Just uh, the hell with it. <laughs> so that'll wrap up episode 34 here on View of the Valleys. For TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week as we roll on with episode 35. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at View Valleys Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one, everybody.